there's a column for that A1, A2, B5, B6, A, B9. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We know those are cells. Hello, and welcome to our 13th episode of There's a Column for That. I'm your host, author, storyteller, and podcaster, Jamie Beth Cohen. Today, I am talking to Rachel Smith, my baby cousin, and one of my favorite people on the whole planet. She's a tax attorney who works for the IRS, but to me, she'll always be the little kid who told me my haircut looked like a cow. When Rachel jumped at the chance to be on the podcast, I was surprised because we had never talked about our mutual love of spreadsheets before. But that's the cool thing about spreadsheets. A wide variety of people in a wide variety of professions with a wide variety of hobbies love spreadsheets as much as I do, and I love talking to them about it. This month was a weird one. I heard a lot of people talking and posting about hitting a pandemic wall the first week of February, as if we all weren't already struggling enough. But for me, that wall was real, and while I feel a bit like I'm on the other side of it, I know many of us are just taking things one day or one minute at a time. I miss going outside, and I don't feel comfortable going to the gym, so I can't wait for spring. Talking to people about spreadsheets is one thing that keeps me going, along with storytelling and teaching and painting and writing. I hope you have found your thing and you're able to enjoy it amidst all of this. Please follow us on Twitter at column underscore pod, and please be in touch. My chat with Rachel was recorded on Sunday, December 13th, and we're releasing it on February 15th. Please remember to wear your mask. Black lives still matter. Joe Biden is the rightfully elected president of the United States. And remember, spreadsheets save lives. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to There's a Column for That. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Where you're from, where you live, how you identify, what line of work you're in? Do you have hobbies or passions that take up a lot of your brain space unrelated to spreadsheets? Feel free to answer any and all and certainly mention how we know each other. My name is Rachel Smith and I am your cousin. Our moms are sisters. (laughs) That is true. Um, Yeah, I was born in Northeast Ohio, but I grew up in Pittsburgh, uh, just like you. Woohoo. And yes. And uh, I presently live in D.C., and I am a lawyer for the federal government specializing in excise tax. Go ahead. Well, I've got, I've got more. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I've been here for about 15 years, and my favorite hobbies are exercise slash yoga and crochet, crochet being my um, social distance COVID hobby that I picked up beginning in March and taught myself how to do on YouTube. But my biggest activity that takes up like all of my free time and brain space, not not related to work, is um, that I'm the president of my condo association, and which is just like an insane, unimaginable amount of thankless work for an unpaid uh, side gig. What propelled you into that position? I'm a very type A um, control freak type of person. So you and didn't want anyone else doing it. Correct. I wanted to protect my investment, and I felt that the best way for me to be able to do that was to be on the condo board. Fair, fair, fair. Okay, and I have to ask you, 
um, because I don't know why you were excited to be on this podcast. You and I have actually not talked about spreadsheets in our daily life. Um, Right. But I remember when I was getting ready to move from uh, Los Angeles to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, I had made a spreadsheet with like apartment um, complexes that people had recommended to me. And I, like a friend of a friend lived in Lancaster and I was like, hey, like my friend told me you live there. Can I send you this spreadsheet and can you tell me like enter notes on what you know or look? And she was a lawyer and I'd never met her before. And she wrote back and she was like, I'm happy to help. I don't really use or understand spreadsheets. So is, this a <laughs> way we, is there a way we could do it not on a spreadsheet? And I was like, <laughs> how is one a lawyer and doesn't know anything about spreadsheets? Which again, is not necessarily related, but it also, because spreadsheets are such a part of my life, I couldn't imagine anyone saying like, I don't know how to use one. Um, so then I thought maybe lawyers don't use spreadsheets, but you're a lawyer. So how do you interact with spreadsheets in your work and or your life? So um, like your lawyer friend, I don't use spreadsheets at work at all, but for two things unrelated to my substantive legal work interpreting the tax code, I have to enter time into two spreadsheets. One spreadsheet uh, is a list of like the cases that I work on. And so each case gets like allocated however much time I worked on it. And then the other spreadsheet is for my literal, like today I was on sick leave or today I was on annual leave or today I teleworked for eight hours or whatever. And it's just like a spreadsheet of like the literal, like status of my time during each workday. And those are the only two spreadsheets that I use at work. And like I said, they're not remotely related to the substance of my work. They're just like procedural requirements. So one can be an amazing, smart lawyer and never interact with a spreadsheet in their job. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And that's even more interesting because you being a lawyer at the IRS and working with taxes, one would assume maybe that you had more substantive work in spreadsheets, but no. Like occasionally um, when the IRS agents or excise policy specialists ask for advice on a specific taxpayer, they may send spreadsheets with tax information embedded into the spreadsheet. But like my work is interpreting the tax code. And so like once in a while, I will encounter a spreadsheet from a revenue agent, but my day-to-day work is looking at the tax code, the treasury regulations, any lower level treasury or IRS guidance to kind of understand how taxpayers should be applying the taxes in in their um, day-to-day lives. So not a lot of spreadsheets. Can you define excise tax? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I get that question a lot and I've worked in excise tax since 2014 and I still don't have like a good snappy answer for it. But the common excise taxes are there's excise taxes on fuel. Um, Those taxes are imposed at various times along the supply chain. So some fuel taxes imposed when it comes out of the ground, some fuel taxes imposed when it goes into a motor vehicle. Um, There are a lot of tax credits associated with the fuel. Um, There's a wagering excise tax that I do a lot of work on, which is imposed on wagers, but the taxpayer is not the better. The taxpayer is the person who accepts the wager. So a typical um, wagering excise taxpayer would be like a sports book at a casino. 
there are excise taxes on heavy trucks which are typically imposed on the retailer, not the buyer, although of course the retailer will pass along the cost, like the economic burden to the buyer, but it's the taxpayer is the, the retail seller. What and is the definition of excise? I don't know. Okay. There's actually it's also excise taxes on alcohol, um, cigarettes, and guns, but they're actually administered by a different agency called TTB, not IRS. So we don't have all of the excise taxes. I guess mostly excise taxes are like, normally when you think of tax, you think of income tax, right? So like that's a tax on you, an individual on the income that you earn. And that's kind of like the- Or sales tax. I think of sales tax a lot. Yeah. So I guess uh, a sales tax, the excise taxes are are more similar to sales taxes usually, but, uh, but again, they're typically imposed on the seller rather than the buyer. Not in every case, but in a lot of cases. Got it. So how do you use spreadsheets in your non-work life? <laughs> um, a few different ways. So I hope like, this I did, involves Scrabble in some way. It, unfortunately, it doesn't. Uh, but I do my personal budgeting in a spreadsheet. Um, and I've been doing that for years. And every my budget spreadsheet has a, like a tab for every month. And so then when I get to December, I make a new year. So like, I'm just getting to the end of my 2020 budget spreadsheet and I'm just starting to create a 2021 budget spreadsheet. So when you say budget spreadsheet, you're talking about how much you expect to spend or how much you have spent or oh. your bills. Yeah. All of that. And are so they, like, is, that in, is each, so does each month's sheet have both and expect? No. Okay. So what it, has is when I set it up, I set up all 12 months ahead of time and I put in the expected mm-hmm. and then I update it with actual once I have actual. So like, and then sort of like as the month progresses, I can kind of like, you know, I can like log into my like chase app and be like, okay, it's the middle of the month. My expected credit card bill is $2,500. It's the middle of the month and I'm already up to $2,000 on my chase uh, credit card. Mm-hmm. So that means that I am over budget. Theoretically, I'm, I'm trending high, trending over budget. So I need to either like make an adjustment or like think about what my costs are going to be. So it's, it's definitely not like the most sophisticated budget spreadsheet that like there probably could be, but it's something I've just been using it and like kind of tinkering with it for, for years. So I also use spreadsheets to keep track of my workouts. And so that I set up like a calendar it's just on one sheet and then it'll be like the days Sunday through Saturday across the top and then like weeks down the column. And then I just like plug in what I do every day for exercise. And is that what kind of exercise, how long calories burned? Like, how are you tracking that? Usually it's just what kind of exercise I did. Um, But if it was a run, like obviously I'll plug in the distance, but if it was like a yoga class, then I'll just put like yoga. Got it. Got it. And so, I mean, my next question would be your biggest or your favorite problem, project, or program you've tackled with a spreadsheet. Have we already covered that or were you holding out on me? Um, I think my, I enjoy 
both my budget and my exercise spreadsheets. Just being a very type A person, I like to look back. I like to look at the history. I like to predict forward. With the exercise spreadsheet in particular, I can see like, am I achieving my goals in terms of like, especially now with COVID, am I able to like get out or like force myself to do Zoom yoga, even though I hate Zoom yoga? Like, did I skip a whole bunch last week? Should I try to do more this week, et cetera? So like those spreadsheets I find to be really enjoyable. I have had to do spreadsheets related to my condo board duties and those just feel like an annoying burden and they eat up a lot of time too. With your, both your budgeting and your workout spreadsheet, are these things, did you talk to a financial consultant? Did you talk to a trainer or a nutritionist? Like are these things that you self-designed both the content and the structure or do you have help with the content? No, I self-designed everything, which is also why I kind of say like, like I would never want to share it with anyone because I'm sure someone who like is very adept with Excel would look at my spreadsheet and be like, wow, this is trash. Like you failed to utilize all of these obvious formulas to like make this a million times easier and it looks bad. Um, so, but, but, you know, it works for me. And I do like, um, I do the, the budget one, especially I've started to try to integrate some formulas to make things a little bit easier. Like now I keep my running balance on a separate sheet. Um, and, and then it like, and then it's a formula like on the month page. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it helps with predictions. One of the things I love so much about spreadsheets and about Excel is in most cases or in many cases in the ways that I use them, they don't have to work for other people. They have right. to work for me. Right. And because they are not completely intuitive at the basic level, easy enough to figure out what you want to do, that they're very flexible in that way. Yeah. I think that that's right. They don't need to work for anyone but me. No. And I, whenever I leave a job, I get really self-conscious. I'll be training someone and I'll be like, here's how I did it. I'm not telling you to do it that way. I'm explaining to you how I did it. Right. You do whatever works for you. Exactly. Which is fine because on one job I was trained by a woman with a spiral notebook who was, you know, she's like, here's how I keep track of things. And I was like, oh, that will be a spreadsheet the minute you walk out the door. <laughs> so yeah. Um, what about the limits of spreadsheets? What kinds of problems can they not solve or what projects can they not help you take on or what's something that you do a lot of but have never thought of putting in a spreadsheet? The question that I want to answer is the biggest limitation of spreadsheets. Yes, that's what I just asked you. Is that the question? Yes. Okay, great. Rachel, okay. what are the limits <laughs> of spreadsheets or what kind of problems can they not solve or what projects can they not help you take on? So I think the biggest limitation that I face with working with spreadsheets is something that you've already mentioned, which is that they are not always incredibly intuitive. And so like, as, like, for example, with my budget spreadsheet, I am sure that there are ways that I can make it better and like easier, but like, I don't know what those are. So like, there are the features that I know. And like, obviously I utilize those when it makes sense to do so. There are the features that I know exist and if they seem like they might be useful to me, I can Google them and try to figure out how to make it work. 
And then there are certainly lots of other features that I don't know about and I haven't even like conceived that they could exist. Back in the second Bush administration, Donald Rumsfeld had like a famous quote about like the unknown unknowns. That's what I feel um, is the, for me the biggest hindrance of utilizing Excel to its fullest potential is the unknown unknowns because like I don't even know that I could Google some type of like crazy function to like make my life easier in the spreadsheet that I'm using at that time. I just want to point out that you've now identified as a lawyer who works for the IRS and you've quoted Rumsfeld. So I feel like people have an impression of you that is not really my impression of you, but we'll get to that. But just, That's okay. I wanted to point that out. Yeah. yeah that unknown unknown thing. So um, when I was working in K-12 admissions, we had a board member who was responsible for like our committee. And he would talk about how if you go into a land and you're drilling for oil, another great big, big business, <laughs> horrible <laughs> environment example. Um, this is our right wing version of there's a column for that. This week. Right. right. He would say like, you can drill for oil here and then move 10 feet over and drill for oil here and move 20 feet over and drill for oil here. And you may not hit. And you have no idea if halfway between all of those is where you should have drilled. Like, and that the admissions work was, we were doing these six tactics. Was there a seventh tactic that if we had done that, that was the lever we needed to pull that we didn't even know existed there? Like, right, exactly. We, and that, that pushed us to do some demographic research in our area to sort of see how many people, how many families could potentially afford us? How many are we reaching? Okay, maybe, we, maybe this is as good as it gets. Yeah, that's the biggest obstacle that Excel has set up for itself is like, I mean, in some ways it's amazing because there's so many options. And if you know all of them, you're really well positioned to do all types of like crazy, helpful, useful stuff and quickly. But if you don't know about them, you're not going to find out easily. Right. That's like the difference, like where if you open up PowerPoint and spend a half an hour, you're going to design a fully functional PowerPoint. And right. It's probably not much else you could have done to make it right. that much better. Totally. Whereas if you sit down with Excel for half an hour, you might design something for what you need, but you yeah. might not know all the things that you didn't do. And I, exactly. I, that, is, that is stressful. And certainly for type A people, so I am someone who typically wants to know everything before yeah. I jump in and start. And I think it's because I've been working with spreadsheets for so long that that didn't get in my way initially. I think if someone would hand me the program today and say, do something with this, I would, I would freak out. But because yeah. it's become part of how I think and how I do things, I know there are other things out there that are quicker, easier, faster, smarter, but I'm okay with how I'm doing the things that I'm doing. What's the silliest thing you've ever used a spreadsheet for? Okay. I don't know if this is actually silly, but every time I move, I plot out all my furniture as like, a, like I, I do the floor plan of where I'm living and I make all the cells squares. So it's like, like, like each cell like visually is a square. So it's like a foot by a foot. And then I plot out all my furniture in the living, in the, on the floor plan that I've 
put into the Excel spreadsheet. I don't know if that's silly, but like, that's like how I figure out like the feng shui in my homes when I move into them. I'm amazed that you are able to do that in Excel. Like, cause as for something that is typically not visually pleasing. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. I'll send you one when we get off the phone. Please. I will use it. People can find it in the show notes page. Oh, okay. Great. That would be amazing. Sure. Um, okay. So we're going to do some rapid fire. Okay. Excel, Google Sheets, something else. Sub question, Mac, PC, tablet, phone. What combination is your ideal and what do you use most often for whatever reason? Okay. I can give you a long answer that's not going to be rapid. That's fine. Okay. I prefer Excel. However, I don't actually have a computer except for my work computer and I can't like do personal stuff on my IRS computer. And so as much as I I'm prefer- sure the taxpayers are thrilled <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> right. Um, so while I would prefer to do everything in Excel because I don't have a computer unless I'm borrowing my husband's computer, um, it's easier for me to do things in Google Sheets because I can do it from my iPad or my phone. But I, don't pre- but I don't prefer that. That's why I ask both questions because lots of people will say Excel on a PC, but Correct. I don't have a PC anymore. So now I do this, this, and this. Right. That's the, actually 100% how I feel. And especially because I've gotten so involved in this condo board and there's so much BS that I have to deal with constantly, I may actually be forced to buy a personal computer because it just will be easier than doing everything on my iPad or cost constantly harassing my husband to use his computer. Mm-hmm. So I may be forced to get a computer in which case I will definitely switch everything into Excel, but like Google sheets is fine. You know, how does your husband feel about spreadsheets? He doesn't use them at all. Yeah. Once in a while, he'll have to do something. Um, like he does his payroll in a spreadsheet. Uh, but, but I think that's because he's forced to buy his payroll company. And so sometimes I have to help him with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he doesn't know a row from a column, we'll say. Uh, favorite command or function? Okay, this one's easy. So my, prob- well, okay, the one that I use most frequently probably is sum because I use that in my budget. But my favorite command and function is if then. And I actually usually can work that into like every spreadsheet that I do. Um, and it has actually a surprising to me number, like utility, even in something that like you wouldn't think would like lend itself to using if then, like pretty much I can always find a reason to use if then and it help and it does help me one way or the other. But even like when I'm using if then I realize like there's all these like variations of if then that I don't know how to do that. I'm sure if I did know how to do them, it would make my life even easier. So can you give me an example of your if then? I guess like an example is with the condo association. So um, like to tally votes, each unit gets a certain percentage and they're all different. So based on like the square footage and like what floor you're on and whatever and things like that. So, you know, I have to plug in like each unit number and then they all get a percentage. But some of the units are still owned by the developer. So even though they have a percentage that's like attached to them, there's no actual unit owner. So then I make a third column that would be an if then statement. So like that would say 
basically like if like the like the unit owner or like if there's a unit owner then it's you know 3.03 percent if there's no unit owner then it gets zero and then that makes it easier to like tally up the voting because that way I can still have like the correct percentage attached to each unit, but the ones that aren't actually owned by unit owners yet are showing zero rather than their percentage, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And actually, I don't use if then frequently, if at all. Um, so that's something to think about for me. So I like that. That's my favorite. That's absolutely my favorite. And I can't think of an example right now, but I've also had many occasions where I've done nested if thens. And like, that makes me feel really fancy when I'm doing like, if then nested. Wow. Uh, did you actually say that your voting percentage could be determined by what floor you're on? Well, yeah. I mean, like a basement unit is less valuable than a top floor unit. Is this, this is known. This is not like a secret. This is like an, like people know. No, it's in the condo docs. Okay. Yeah. It's in the condo docs. Yeah. Like you, like, so because, because it's a condo, we all own the whole building together. And so in order to allocate the expenses of the building among all of the 38 unit owners, you get assigned by the developer at the outset, a percentage of ownership. So it adds, so there's 38 units each has a percentage somewhere between like one and a half to like four and a quarter. And, you know, depending on the size of your unit, again, like what floor it's on, like how many bathrooms does it have? Does it have a private roof or something like that? Um, your percentage ownership is more or less. And then when you, when we allocate the common expenses, your condo fees, which pay the common expenses are based on your percentage of ownership of the whole. I think in my mind, it makes sense for square footage. I, I just didn't realize that, that where in the building it was would be applicable. I mean, they didn't like tell us how they assigned, it's called par value, the percentage. They didn't tell us how they assigned the par value, but I mean, yeah, basically the ones that aren't on higher floors are more, have more par value. It, it, it kind of like, I think square footage is the biggest driver of the par value determination, but there are other factors. So like if you have a balcony or if you don't, if you have a private roof deck or if you don't, or if you're in a, if you're in the basement, that's less desirable than even being on the first floor or, you know, above ground. Mm -hmm. And so I think all of those factors play in. And I think it's not exactly correlated with um, sale price, but it's roughly. How do you feel about color coding cells or typeface? I probably wouldn't make a regular practice of it. But for example, I mentioned that I stage my apartments in Excel before I move. And when I do that, like I do color code it. So like the couch will be gray cells because my couch is gray, for example. And then like my dresser is tan. So those cells would be tan. Fabulous. I feel like we sort of glossed over the fact that we're cousins and we grew up together. And I, I wanted to just touch on um, maybe a word that I taught you or maybe something you called me or <laughs> my favorite story about you. So do you want to go first? Okay. Are we talking about when I said your haircut looks like a cow and you got mad at me? <laughs> Which I don't remember <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. I know. I do remember that. And I, 
but but now I'm like, do I even remember it or do I just remember us talking about it later? But like, I think I remember it because I think it was at Honey and Papa's house. I think you had like a weird like bowl like looking haircut. But this is all true. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but it could be like a totally self created memory. But I'm pretty sure that I remember that, and that's like a funny anecdote that 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 makes me smile when I think about it. I also taught you your first swear word, which was shit, right? Yes. yes. I don't. I, I know and how, I don't remember that. I know how it happened. I we were walking my next door neighbor's dog. Yeah, I, I don't remember any of that. And either the dog got away or the dog pooped and I didn't have a bag or something. And I said it. And then we like came back to the house. And the next day, either your mom told my mom or (laughs) your mom told me that you said shit at home. And she asked you where you learned that. And you said, Jamie, how old was I? I mean, if you guys were having, I feel like you were like having Thanksgiving dinner at our house or it was like, you know, so young. And then my favorite, favorite, favorite favorite Rachel Smith story that I'm at liberty to share (laughs) is Thanksgiving Pittsburgh. You had just flown into the airport. It was Thanksgiving morning. I told you we were getting lunch, that we had to go to two places for lunch and that we were going to Panera and also the Smallman Street Deli. And what did you want? And your response was no joke. I want a bagel. (laughs) with mustard which I already thought was funny because like who starts with the condiment and then you were like I love condiments uh, clearly and you were like I want a bagel with mustard and turkey and I said Rach it's Thanksgiving and you were like oh right all right I want matzo ball soup (laughs) that took a turn yeah that was weird and I think, I, see, you think that my thought process was weird because I started with mustard, but like, that's what I really wanted was I wanted a bagel with mustard. So then I was like, okay, so like what would be like complimentary to the mustard? And then I was like, okay, like, I think that like they have a good, tur- like a turkey and cheese sandwich with mustard. So like, that's what I'll get. And, and of course I was like, not at all thinking about the fact that it was Thanksgiving and I was about to eat turkey. So I'm glad that you corrected me on that because, you know, I think the muscle soup was probably a better option in the moment. But from my perspective, going from bagel, mustard, turkey to, oh, of course, I want muscle soup. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. So yeah, those yeah. are the, I mean, there are lots of other good stories, but those are the ones we can share. Um, so now we've, we've come to our final, final part of the show. So... Any media, books, movies, shows, podcasts, or anything else that you're loving and want to shout out right now that is getting you through the pandemic? Sure. Um, I think everyone should read Wasted Pretty by (laughs) Jamie Beth Cohen, especially if you're from Pittsburgh, but even if you're not, if you're Gen X or uh, elder millennial as I am, I think that you would really enjoy that. Um, other podcasts that I like are Who Weekly, which is that pop culture pod that I made you listen to that one time in the car. Um, they always make me laugh. Um, and then I like Planet Money Indicator and I listen to The Daily with Michael Barbaro every day. Um, and then a nonfiction book that I liked recently, it was called The Biggest Bluff by Maria Konnikova. And she is a 
um, psychology PhD who in her academic research of skill and chance and decision-making and game theory decided to study poker and with under the tutelage of one of the like most iconic best professional poker players of all time Eric Seidel ended up becoming a professional poker player in her own right and winning like literally hundreds of thousands of dollars playing poker professionally I thought that her journey was like really fascinating and I, I, I loved reading it. So I'd recommend it to anyone. So I have a love hate relationship with a podcast that quotes her all the time. It's called, oh, what's that? I think it's called con man. I she has a lot wrong. of, she actually has a lot of books and one of her other books I think had like con in the title or something. Right. Like that. So I think the podcast is just called con man. I'll look it up. I'll put it in the show notes, but it's just this guy telling the story of con men throughout history Okay. And uh, he quotes her a lot, so I know yeah. her name. I'm going to admit my bias right now. I don't like when men do podcasts about crime. Okay. I frequently think they miss angles that are obvious to women. And I don't, I don't like gender binaries. I'm not, like, I'm not proud of this bias. But I have listened to quite a few true crime podcasts where a man is talking about a woman either who is the criminal or who is a victim or a survivor and says things that are wholly not credible from a woman's point of view. Okay. Um, and so this podcast, I like the stories on the podcast, but I don't love that this guy is the one telling them, but he mm. quotes her a lot. So I think I'd like to read that book. Yeah, she's a badass. And I actually learned of the book on a different podcast that I also listen to a lot called Freakonomics with mm -hmm. Stephen Dubner. And he interviewed her mm -hmm. and she talked about that book. And I love behavioral economics, which is something that he, you know, that Freakonomics discusses a lot. And there's a lot of that. And then wrapped in with like the gambling aspect, which just like, I was like, oh, I, I have to read this. Did you read the book about the MIT gambling team? It was nonfiction. No. It no, that really sounds like something good. I would love. I can't okay. remember the name of it. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Anything that you're working on that you want to shout out? Your social media handles, any volunteerism, your husband's businesses, like anything <laughs> that needs a little love right now? Yeah, well, if you live in D.C., go to Brooklyn's Finest at 12th and Jackson Northeast and get some takeout food because all of the local bars and restaurants are struggling and we don't know if or when there's going to be relief from the federal government or any more relief from the local government. So yeah, if you're in DC, go to Brooklyn's Finest and get takeout. This is our last question. It's the one that you get to ask me about anything you want, spreadsheet related or not. What's your favorite podcast? So I am a huge fan of My Favorite Murder, and I know that that yes. is controversial for some people, um, but I really... Again, I like their perspective, although it's very nice white lady-ish. Uh, so they, yeah. they, ma they make some missteps here or there. They're pretty open to being corrected on those things. But I do like this idea that like, here are two women, both of them sort of comedians in their own right or actor comedians. And um, they're like, listen, the world's really scary and messed up and we can like these dark things that doesn't make us messed up or dark it's it's a relief and there's also the element of certain people have so much anxiety about all the things that can go wrong that it feels good to prepare yourself or to know how other people survived all of those things um so that's like my long running thing i also listen to the daily 
I also listen to Fresh Air when, when she has someone on who I love. And I mean, my dream is to be on Fresh Air. And like the joke is like when she says like, you know, thanks so much for coming on, you know, whoever, whoever. And they're like, oh, no, Terry, thank you. And it's like, like anyone would like, I don't know, she's just so gracious. And it's like, how, how would you ever respond to, to that much um, gratitude? So anyway, so I listen to those, but I mean, there, I listen, I just, I totally binge true crime. And I just, I, the more shocking, the better. And it's one of those things where um, I'm sure there's an element of it. You know how like for some people who cut, it's like the only way they can feel anything. Right. I feel like these days, the only way I can like stay alert and attuned to something is if it is horrific. Um, oh, okay. However, I'm also doing a deep dive into the Leah Remini show, the podcast, not, not, not the podcast, the um, documentary. Yeah. Scientology. So she yeah. three seasons on Netflix. I've just started season three. And I love it. But like, I listen to a podcast about Heaven's Gate. And I listen, like, so. I, I John like, loves cults too. Yeah. I, love, do, I, do, I do some cult content, but probably yeah. not as much as John. Yeah. Yeah. I love cults. I love con men. Um, yeah. I'm interested in serial killers. That's not my favorite. I would say cults yeah. and con men, that type of crime is really fascinating to me because of the behavioral psychology, I think, that goes on behind it. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me. I'm so excited to see your feng shui uh, spreadsheets because that's amazing. And I'm going to try to start working, if then, into my, into my spreadsheets because I had um, the woman who did my pivot tables for me because I'm not good at them. I had to do them once a year and I never remembered from year to year. She was big into conditional formatting, which yeah. uses, it often yeah. uses if then. So Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, good luck. I, I hope it works out. Thanks for, thanks for coming on the show. I miss you. I miss you too. Thanks so much for listening today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review everywhere you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at column underscore pod. Special thanks to Nora Grace and Josiah for our theme song, Sam Schindler for editing and production, Nick Peterson for additional music, and you for listening. Have a great day.